what's up? You got your guitar again today. Yeah, just trying to play a little whippet today by uh, Devo. I was reading some information on Horace Mann, and he really whipped public education into shape. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome and totally not what I expected you to say. <laughs> cool. Me, do you want to tell me more about Horace Mann? Yeah, well, I think there's maybe two questions that we have to address when dealing with Horace Mann. The first is what was education like before the common school movement? began in Massachusetts, and what role did Horace Mann have on the common school movement? Cool. So it's a lot of stuff here to unpack, uh, but prior to the common school movement, schooling was done largely by private tutors for wealthy families. Uh, if a child from a non-wealthy family were educated, it was done in a one-room schoolhouse, which few communities had. If they were lucky to have one, the school year didn't last very long, usually only six weeks. The nickname, in fact, for schools, common schools, were pauper schools. I can't imagine how little you could get done in only six weeks. Yeah, really amazing. <laughs> Man. Hard to believe. Yep. Another educational opportunity that uh, communities had were lyceums, which were traveling uh, teachers that came to communities and dealt with specific issues. Hmm. Or they could uh, teach themselves by going to a library, but few t uh, towns had libraries. Even when the common school movement began in the 1830s, the state of Massachusetts only had 50 libraries for over one thousand, over 3,000 school districts. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. hard to imagine. So we have a library like right here on campus. So to think of going to one of only 50 in an entire state would be... Amazing, Crazy, right? yeah. Overall, the lack of educational opportunities was really stunning. Yeah. For example, in 1834, the state of Pennsylvania had over 100,000 voters who could not read. In New York, 1.4 million lacked common instruction out of 1.8 million possible students. Oh, my gosh. So it, it's the reverse of today. It's very, yeah. very different. Yeah. To understand Horace Mann's role in the common school movement, you first need to know something about the era he lived in, uh, putting it in a historical context. This is the age of the reform movement. The reform movement swept the United States from approximately 1820 to 1850. Hmm. The movement was largely a grassroots movement that supported the idea of ba the basic goodness of human beings. Hmm. I can get behind that. Yeah, really, really cool. Reformers in general argued that you could change a person's environment for the better to maximize this person's potential. It was kind of like a mathematical formula. A hmm. plus B equals more opportunity. The reform movement addressed the numerous issues besides education that the society faced, including temperance, drinking, mental illness, gender inequality, and abolitionism or slavery. Hmm discrimination. Yeah. I think that's kind of a list that we deal with even today. Oh my gosh, for sure. In addition to understand man's role as an educational reformer, it is important to understand the term common schools. Yeah, I was wondering about that. The common school theory originated in France, where the school was owned and supported by state governments. Today, we might call that common schools public schools. Oh, or okay. we might term it universal education. Okay. We're so used to having that now. It's weird to think of 
Yeah, that it would be like a new thing. Yeah. Like, what would you call it? We have a common school. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And that's one of the reasons why they actually call Horace Mann the father of public education. Um, he was born in eight, uh, May 4th of 1796, which is only about 10 years after the Constitution was ratified. Uh, the nation at that time was really trying to create stability and order, as well as trying to define a free society. Unfortunately for Horace Mann, his father died when he was pretty young. He was only 13 years old. The town he lived in was Franklin. Massachusetts. And interestingly enough, the town people named their city after Ben Franklin, which isn't that earth shattering, but they did so uh, hoping to get some financial resources from Ben Franklin. They asked him for, for money for a, a, a town bell. And instead of a town bell, he sent them about 200 pounds of books, which is about 116 total books that he sent, which helped them create a library. If you know anything about Ben Aww. Franklin, you know that he was really pro-library. Yeah. Right? So, and he even said this, that uh, Franklin said, uh, money or books, he said, sense was preferable to sound. The bell. Okay. <laughs> uh, Horace Mann also rejected kind of the gloomy religious ideology of the day uh, that really relied on corporal punishment and other things. Instead, he was, uh, he was inspired by his religion to lead a life of public service. So hmm. religion was really important to him. Yeah. He also tried to pull religion out of public schools, which is what we have wow. today. He graduated from Brown University in 1819 as a valedictorian, and his first paper uh, was written about immigration, an issue that we still face today wow. as well. Yeah. Uh, so his first public service that he did was he was a strong supporter for those who suffered from mental illness, another issue that we deal with today. Wow, wow. So I think the next step here is maybe to talk about the argument for common schools yeah. and how he did that and why he did that. A, the lack of public, uh, public education was believed to be a threat to the Republic. Oh my God, I, well, for sure, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, if you have you know, millions of people that aren't meeting basic education and you're a brand new baby country. That yeah. is a big concern. Uh, and it not only dealt with the political system, but the economic system yeah. of capitalism, because it was a small group of people were taking advantage of a very large group of people. And he foresaw that that might be problematic. Yeah. Um, this is all based on the foundation that the founding fathers had created 50 years before that time. So, Horace Mann said as much in his own statements. He said, disarm the poor of their hostility towards rich. Basically, what I think he's saying there is avoid social unrest. Hmm. Another reformer and somebody that uh, was uh, part of the uh, Erie Canal was a guy named DeWitt Clinton, who happened to be the governor of New York at one time. And he acknowledged this idea, too, when he said, if white working men and their sons were to vote, it was important that they be educated first. I know he says men and sons in there. Uh, we'll get to that issue a little bit later and what Horace Mann does about that. So in 1837, Horace Mann was appointed uh, the secretary of the Board of Education in Massachusetts. He held this position for 12 years and he ta tackled both issues that were concrete and philosophical. As most reformers of the day, he first investigated the issue by going into the classroom. He did so not nice. just by 
going into schools in Massachusetts, but in other states and even internationally in Europe. That's awesome. So he wasn't just over in an office somewhere saying like, oh, I think this is what America needs. He actually was going around and looking and seeing what we had. And that's awesome. That's exactly. great. And it can't be that easy to travel then. So it's got to be a lot of work to go and yeah, to go around and visit all the classrooms. and. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, I mean, I think it, what I really like about Horace Mann is that he's one of those people that wants to see where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. He wants to be oh in the classroom gosh. and understand what's going instead of administrating yeah. from, from an wow. office. So it wow. is pretty cool. So the common school uh, had numerous issues, and I won't be able to go over all of those in this podcast, but we'll, go, we'll tackle a couple of them. The first of them that my students never have to deal with is poor instruction, <laughs> right? So you already know that because you've helped me out in so many different ways of designing my classes. So he saw this as a real issue. He said, yeah. a quote here, there should be no one inflexible, innumerable course of instruction basically saying that you should mix it up, do different things instead of doing the same things over and over. He also said that it is the duty of the teacher to bring knowledge within arm's length of the learner, and he must break down its masses into portions so minute that they can be taken up and appreciated. So wow. you, you're there to take complex ideas and bring them down to the level so somebody can actually understand them. Absolutely. And take something away from them. Uh, he always also said that teaching is an art and must be differentiated for each student. When I was studying in my own uh, college uh, several years back, differentiated instruction was a, a big topic of discussion at that time. Absolutely. Second, and another one of my favorites, probably my favorite, is lack of pay and unequal pay between male and female teachers. That was a big issue yeah. that uh, Horace Mann identified. For example, male teachers got $15.40 a month in the state of Maine, which is hard to comprehend compared to today, <laughs> but it wasn't a lot of money even back then. Wow. And that was an issue for Horace Mann. Wow. You couldn't make it a, a profession. He believed it was yeah. more of a stepping stone. Yeah, you know, if it doesn't look like a lot of money in 18... 30s money, then it really isn't a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to be more depressed, women got not even a half of that. They got $4.80 oh, a no. month. So, yeah, that one fly today where we have uh, equal pay for educators, which is a good thing. Uh, some more other issues. Uh, he saw teachers as a role model, so that that was an important thing for the student. So a person had to be ethical and moral in his world as well. He addressed the cost and quality of textbooks, definitely an issue that I hear from most students about. Uh, classroom management, making sure that those students aren't on their cell phones, although he didn't have to do, deal with cell phones at the time. <laughs> and he thought that the uh, education system was way over-reliant on corporal punishment, actually beating students if they were not listening. Hmm. Um, on top of all of that, he actually uh, focused on what we call physical education uh, with proper diet, good hygiene, and even ventilation in the schools. So he was really looking at the whole person, you know, if you're thinking about not using corporal punishment, teaching life skills like hygiene and physical education um, and having your instructors be a role model, you know, to, that's really pretty amazing, I think, for that time. 
Yeah, we often look back in history and think like things have changed so drastically when they really haven't. And a lot of the struggles that we have, he identified not only those struggles by going out and investigating them, but then took some action. And the best thing about Horace Mann, I guess, uh, is that he really revolutionized education in general. He made education compulsory. You had to do it. He increased the pay of teachers. He got standardized uh, rules for textbooks. He uh, reduced the reliance on corporal punishment. He made universal education free from political and religious ideologies. He lengthened the school year, trained teachers on how to teach, developed lesson plans, supported female teachers, and he did so much more than that. That's just wow. a short review of some of the things that he did in his 12 years as secretary of the Board of Education in Massachusetts. Um, but Horace Mann's influence wasn't just limited, limit, limited to Massachusetts. It was also uh, taken over by other states. So right. he, got, he was an advisor for other states. Yeah. Even southern states asked him for help. And believe it or not, uh, countries in Latin America, uh, Argentina was one of them that came up and visited him to wow. ask him questions about what he did with the common school wow. system. So it just shows you what one person can do. You yeah. know, that's amazing. Yeah, it does. And somebody we don't know about. That's one of the, my favorite yeah. things is that this era in general, the reform movement isn't about politicians. It's not about, you know, entertainers or something like that. It's about people that most people don't know about, but had as much influence or more influence than a lot of the people that we typically hear about. Yeah. So after he left uh, the secretary of board uh, position in Massachusetts, he actually jumped into the House of Representatives. So he did become a politician for a period of time. He picked up John Quincy Adams' uh, position after <laughs> Quincy had died, or John Quincy Adams had died wow. in 1848. So, uh, and he followed his pathway too. So John Quincy Adams was a big abolitionist. So was uh, Horace Mann. In fact, his first speech was titled Slavery in the Territories. He argued that disunion was better than continuing the practice of slavery. That was yeah. a pretty bold statement for yeah. uh, that And this is pre-Civil War. Yeah. So he hadn't seen that happen. Okay. Unfortunately, he did die before the Civil War, or maybe that was fortunate for him. But before he did so, he did leave politi- uh, politics and went back into education. He became president mm-hmm. of a new higher education institution uh, named Antioch College, which is in Ohio. This college, although not the first college to do so, had some revolutionary policies educating both male and female students and accepting African-American students as well. That's fantastic. You know, I just looked up on my phone. I looked up Antioch College and it's it's still there. And if I look at its mission and history, the very first thing it has is a quote from Horace Mann. There you go. See, (laughs) It says, be ashamed to die. Until you have won some victory for humanity. Horace Mann, first oh. president of Antioch College. How appropriate for, I think Horace Mann really did live by that quote. Because yeah. he sure as heck did a lot for our country and for humanity. Absolutely. Wow. In, in fact, the author that I read about, Robert Downs, called Mann the right man in the right place at the right time with exactly the qualities of mind, personality, and background required to meet his opportunities. Wow. The right man. 
the man. right man. Yeah, with only one end. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to give Horace Mann the, the last word because I think he really deserves it on this podcast. According to Mann, he said about teaching, uh, it is the most difficult of all arts and the profoundest of all science sciences. I completely agree with that statement. 